Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Joshua. The Old Testament book of Joshua and Joshua chapter number 2. Joshua chapter number 2. We're continuing with our series of the lineage of Christ and now we hit another threshold. For the first part of this series, of course, we spent in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and we're tracing the lineage of Jesus Christ from Adam, the first man, to the birth of Jesus Christ. In that lineage, there are 64 generations of people, of, of men throughout the kingly line. But not only are men are important, women are important. And we're going to hit one of those tonight. And then we'll hit another one on Sunday morning. But through the first part of this series, we spend a lot of time in Gen Genesis. Remember that the book of Genesis covers a period of uh, 2,000 years. That's a long period of time. And so that's why we spend a lot of time in the book of Genesis. But now we've now broke out of Genesis and we've gone a little bit through Exodus and now we're starting through the other historical books where we're going to spend the majority of the rest of this series tracing through this lineage of Christ through the history that is recorded in the Old Testament through these historical books. We now come to the book of Joshua and chapter number 2. The book of Joshua, chapter number 2, and if you don't mind, notice with me in Joshua chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. Genesis chapter, or Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1, the word of God says this, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land even Jericho. And they went, came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab saying, bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house for they become to search out of all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whether the men went, I want not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And when you came out of Egypt, what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, I swear unto me by the Lord, since, you have showed, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you into the land, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we came into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window by which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren into thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street. His blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in thine house. His blood shall be upon our head. If any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business. Then we will be quit of thine oath. Which thou hast made us to swear. And she said according to your words. So be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain, and abode there three days, until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord had delivered in our hands all the land, in our hands all the land, for even the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. And if you don't have the marking things in your Bible, of course we want to underline and highlight Rahab found in verse number uh, verse number one. The name of this lady was Rahab. But I also want you, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the book of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, and notice with me in verse number 18. The phrase in uh, Joshua chapter 2 verse 18, scarlet thread. Scarlet Thread. And with this, we want to hit a character study on the lineage of Christ, dealing with the idea of Rahab and the scarlet thread. Rahab and the scarlet thread. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And Lord, as we study this historical passage of your Bible, that this isn't a mythology, it's not a cute little story like Asaph's fables, but this is a historical event that occurred. And we see here a lady who exercised faith in you with what knowledge she had and what you did, not only for her, but for an entire house because she believed in you. I'm asking that as we study this woman who is known for her faith, that you would help us to be able to apply it to our own lives and see that this faith has action and this faith has behavior. We're asking, Lord, that you would just apply this, help us to open this text up in a special way, and we depend upon you even now. Fill me with your precious spirit, and you do a work once again, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Rahab was a lost pagan woman who lived in the city of Jericho. Yet, in spite of that, she became one of the most honored women in the entire Bible. She is honorably mentioned in the lineage of Christ in the book of Matthew. She is mentioned in the idea of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11. She's also mentioned in the book of James. Now in the book of Matthew she's listed in the lineage of Christ. And we'll get into how did that happen in just a bit. In the book of Hebrews she is marked by her faith. By faith Rahab it says in Hebrews 11. And in James she is exemplified given as an example of someone who had works to their faith. So if you put that together, the idea of Hebrews living in faith and James exemplified by our works, we could put together a picture in Rahab from the book of Joshua chapter 2 here that we could see a belief that behaves. Remember that belief always affects behavior. That if you say you believe something and you truly do, it is going to show up in how you behave, how you respond. And we see this in the life of Rahab. Let's examine this passage a little bit more and see if we can gain some more understanding and some more light under this wonderfully honored woman found in the Word of God. Notice this. The first thing I want to show you is that they were under the sentence of destruction. Under a sentence of destruction. Now, in the book of Joshua, this is happening right after the wilderness wanderings. Remember that the children of Israel were in bondage inside of Egypt for many, many years. And God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses who led them out of Egypt after God pulled many plagues upon Egypt, destroying the land. Then Moses led the children of Israel to the wilderness, to the Red Sea, where God supernaturally parted the Red Sea. Now, again, this was a big deal. It wasn't just like a little spring opening up. And there was about two and a half million Jewish people, Hebrew people, to cross over the Red Sea. And then to get them over uh, all the way over through the Red Sea overnight, they would have to cross about 2,000 to 3,000 people in a line, in a row at a time. But you also had animals and wagons and everything else that had to go forward. People have measured and estimated in order to get them through that the Red Sea would have had to part between two to three miles. So it's not just a little opening. It's a huge opening. 
And if you're going to open up a big body of water, let's give an example. We live in Wisconsin, and across Lake Michigan is that other state, right? Michigan. Wisconsiners don't like Michigan for some reason, but you have Michigan over there. And we know that Lake Michigan is not as big as the Red Sea, but because many of you know how big Lake Michigan is, could you imagine parting Lake Michigan to allow the Wisconsiners to cross on the dry land? Probably the other way around, Michigan people coming over to Wisconsin, right? Can you imagine that parting? Now, if Lake Michigan was parted to allow two and a half million people to cross, do you think the rest of those states would realize what was going on? Absolutely. This is a big deal. In order to displace that much water and to set it two to three miles across to open it up, that's enough for everyone to notice around them. There would be things that would be changed and modified. And so the children of Israel cross this uh, on dry land. They get to the wilderness and there they wander for 40 years. Well, during the 40 years, they happen to run into two Amorite kings who tried to kill the children of Israel. And God destroys them, just utterly destroys them in such a way that everyone in the neighboring communities, we're going to see that here, knew that God did it. It wasn't the idea that the Hebrews were a great army. They weren't like a military faction army who trained all of their life like the Spartans. They were regular folks. Surviving out in the wilderness, had no city of their own. It was God that fought their battles for them. And because everyone knew it was God, all of the surrounding neighborhoods knew about it. And they were not afraid of the Hebrews. They were afraid of the Hebrew God. And now here's a city. Jericho is the very first city you come to if you cross the Jordan River. And so all of the land has been told that this Canaan area is the Hebrew promised land. And the Hebrews are eventually going to cross over. So everyone knows that supposedly they've heard God is going to give them this land. And the very first city you come to when you cross the Jordan River is Jericho. Jericho, the city, is built about five miles uh, to the west of the Jordan River. It's the very first city you run into. And so they knew they're first in the chopping block. Well, as Joshua has now taken over leadership, Moses, the leader, is dead. Joshua is now taken over, and it's going to be his job to lead the people into the promised land. He decides that as people are preparing to cross over, he sends two spies to cross the river to go check out Jericho just to see what they're going to face, to see what the tone and tenor is, just to see uh, how easy or how hard it's going to be. And so they send the spies into the land. Once again, notice with me in Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1. Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into the harlot's house, named Rahab, and lodged there. So here we could see that people are scared. They go into uh, the harlot's house and meet her and her family. Now, at this time, we're introduced to a lady who does not have a very reputable um, profession. 
In fact, we have to also remember that in the ancient world, everything revolved around religion. Everything did. When people woke up, there was a religious ceremony. When they went through their day, it was a religious ceremony. It's not like America where most people go all of their day without thinking of any type of God or any type of religion. For them, everything was religious. Even the idea of prostitution, that there were many fertility goddesses, and that in order to worship these fertility goddesses, you would get involved in some type of sexual act. And Miss Rahab here was not only in that profession, but she was also used as part of ceremony for their type of worship to these false gods. So she very much was deep involved in a debauched, horrible profession. She was someone who she would recognize she was a sinner. She was never fooling herself thinking that she was some good person. She knew what she was. She knew the lifestyle that she lived. And the spies came in and maybe they were looking for lodging. They were looking for something. But Rahab allowed them to stay. Now verse number two. And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. So the spies were found out some way. Someone said, Hey, did you see the two people who walked in the gates earlier? They're definitely not one of us. They don't belong to the other cities. And so now the, the rumor mill has started. People in the city are starting to talk. They're strangers in here. And they found out, where did they stay? Well, they think they stayed over at Rahab's place. So they begin to coordinate and try to find out where, where they're at. Verse number three, And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out the land. So now people are scared. The king comes and sends a message to Rahab, saying, All right, we heard that the two men are staying with you. Tell us where they're at, bring them out, and we're going to take care of them. We're, not going, to, we're going to get rid of the spies before they can report about our battlements, about our walls, about the everything else. Now, we don't condone what Rahab does, but she lies. Notice with me, if you don't mind. Verse number four. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came in men unto me, but I was not where they were. Basically, yeah, the men came in, but I don't know where they are. They, when the, uh, they came out, they went outside of the city. I don't know which way they went. Hey, if you go chase them now, maybe you can overtake them. Go get them now. And she's lying on behalf of the people she's now protecting. She's protecting them. And uh, so she tells a lie to, to her, her king, to her countrymen. Meanwhile, she goes up on the roof and she's hid these men. As soon as they... She found out who they were and realized that the city was going to look for them. She went ahead and was proactive before they came knocking on the door. She goes, I think the people are looking for you. Let's go up to the roof. Let's hide you. And let's make it seem like you escaped and went away. Verse number six. So she brought them onto the roof of the house and hid them in the stalks of flax, which she had hit, laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them to the way of Jordan unto the fjords. And as soon as they were gone, which pursued them, they shut the gate. So now the city's on emergency mode. They sent out the pursuers. They shut the gate so no one could get in and no one could get out. They're trying to keep it so... Excuse me. So no more spies can get into the land. And just in case they're still in the, in the city, they're not going to be able to get out. They're going to corner them and try to protect the city. It's lockdown mode. 
verse 8. And before they were laid down, she came up to them on the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you, the Hebrew people, the land. And that your terror is fallen upon us. So she goes up to the men and she says, the reason why I'm laying you down and hiding, because they obviously ask the question, why are you doing this? They're trying to find out, is she just putting them in a space where they're easier to be found? Why are you hiding us? Why are you doing this? She explains, listen, we're scared. We know that God's given you the land. We are frightened to death. We know that there's nothing we can do against your God. Notice again in verse 9. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord... Now notice the word Lord, capital L-O-R-D. When you see this in the Old Testament, it is referring to the personal name of God, Jehovah. It's not being used as the generic name of God or the official title of God, G-O-D. She's actually using the personal name of God. So she's not saying a God. She's saying your God, Jehovah, that God, the one that you serve, that's the one we fear. The Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. That word faint carries the idea that they want to quit. They're so scared they don't know what to do. They, 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 they're in panic mode. They don't feel like they could fight against this Hebrew God. And they're stuck. They know they're under the sentence of death. They know that they should be destroyed and are probably going to be destroyed. How do they know that? Verse number 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. By the way, that happened 40 years ago. And they're still talking about it. After all, that's a pretty major thing for God to take the body of water and to make it open up for two to three miles across. That's a big deal. That's not something you forget about. People talk about this even 40 years ago. That God has power. That God is a God we're scared of. You know, if you have a God that doesn't do anything, just sits there, who's afraid of him? But this God, he's able to do something. We're afraid of that God. He says, we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, notice this, he is the God of heaven above and in the earth beneath. They're recognizing that your God is a true God. The God of heaven and earth is a title that's usually used to other uh, polytheistic societies to try to differentiate which God we're talking about. They said, listen, our little G-gods are nothing. Your God is real and we all know it. How can we fight against your God? If it was just you guys, we wouldn't be afraid at all. We're afraid of your God. And so here's a lady who understands that she is part of a society and part of a people that she's a sinner. And because of her sin, she's slated it for destruction by God in heaven. She deserves to die. Her city deserves to be destroyed. There's nothing she can do to 
escape this destruction. So all she can do is beg for mercy. So we see first of all that they were under the sentence of death. The second thing that we understand here is the scarlet thread. I'm so thankful that there's a way of escape. Notice with me in verse number 12. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. So notice what Rahab has done. She has recognized that there's a real God. She has recognized because there's a real God that she's a sinner in the face of a true God. And that she deserves to be destroyed because of this true God. And she knows that the only way of escape is to ask for mercy. Please protect me. Please forgive me. Please save me from the destruction that I owe. And so she says, please, I've showed you kindness. Why did I show you kindness? Because I believe your God's real. Because I believe your God's real and I know I deserve mercy. I am doing this because I want, I'm proving that I trust your God is able to do something. I am doing this in response to begging for my life. Notice 12. Therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord since I show you kindness that you will show me kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token that you will save me alive. But notice this. She's not pleading just for her but my father and my mother and my brother and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And so what happens is that they make an agreement. She says, let me get you out of the city. And so what she does is she ties a scarlet cord, a rope, outside of a window. Now Rahab's house, a lot of the ancient cities, actually built their walls so thick that you could have apartment buildings inside of the walls. And her house happened to be inside of one of the walls. And so she tied a rope, a scarlet rope, outside of her window and to allow the men to climb down. And so they said, listen, you've showed us kindness. You've protected us. We'll make you a deal. Here's the deal. That if you keep this scarlet thread hanging out when we come out, we're going to know that this is your house and we're going to let everybody know. And your job is, is that we're going to keep you alive you go get as many people and convince them to be in this house. And when we come, everyone that's in this house is going to be spared. That's the promise. As long as you don't tell anyone, you don't rat us out, we make you this promise. You will have your life spared. What a great comfort that is. So they tell her to hide and to hang out this scarlet thread. They go away. Now she believed in those promises. Did the promise come to pass yet where she's at? No, she's trusting by faith that they're going to keep their word. By the way, the same thing's true for us for salvation, that we recognize there's a real God. And we recognize that we're sinners before this real God. We also recognize that we deserve destruction. We deserve hell. We deserve to be separated from this real God. 
And that there's only way of escape is the promise that God makes to us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This is an Old Testament picture of this scarlet thread, a picture of this salvation that Jesus Christ has offered us through his blood, this scarlet thread. And we could see this scarlet thread of redemption woven all throughout the scriptures, picturing Jesus Christ and his promise to deliver us if we trust his word by faith. Now she trusted it by faith. And you know what she did? Now, the, now that she's accepted the promise, she believed it, and she's going to trust it. Now she had to go and tell others that they too are under the sentence of death. And that they are going to be destroyed by the God of the Hebrew people. However, you can escape this judgment if you trust in the same promise I do. And you are in the same house that I am when the children of Israel come. Now, could you imagine those conversations? She had to go and tell those people that I am trusting in a promise given by strangers that their God is going to deliver me when their God gives them this land. And you too can be saved, but you have to trust in the same promise that I do. Of course, there's going to be some people that say, listen, there's no hope. We're all going to be destroyed. I'm not going in. There's going to be some people that said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. I'm not going to die. But there were some of her household who said, listen, I believe the same promise that you do. If that promise can be applied to me, I'll believe it too. And they stepped out by faith to trust in that same promise that he did. Now, how did this turn out? How did, it, how did it work out? Notice with me in Joshua chapter 6. As we see the fall of the city of Jericho. Joshua chapter number 6. And notice with me as we see what happens in Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 22. Joshua chapter 6 and notice with me in verse number 22. It says, or sorry, Joshua chapter 6 starting at verse 22. And Joshua said unto the two men that spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all she hath, as ye swear unto her. Now let me pause. What happened before this? Well, the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River. By the way, as they crossed the Jordan River, God parted the Jordan River. In fact, he dammed up the Jordan River about 20 miles north of them. And it dried up the entire river all the way down. That's pretty amazing. Wouldn't all the people of the Canaan land see that and hear about this? Absolutely. It wasn't just a small parting. He stopped the river upstream for about 20 miles. And then as they all crossed, let the river come back again. That's pretty supernatural. That's pretty amazing. And it made everyone fear. And then God had the children of Israel, just to prove that it was God doing it, walk and march across around Jericho for six days. To march around once, all of them, and not say a single word. Can you imagine what it would be like to be on the city watch of Jericho? What's this? It looks like an army. All right, guys, get ready. Everyone get to your places. And to watch the people... Being led by the Ark of the Covenant. And they march around the city. And they're silent. That was probably the scariest thing. They didn't say a word. They marched around the city. Hey guys, you watch them. And they come back around. 
and they go away. What just happened? What just went on? The second day, they come around again, not saying a word. That is scarier than them making an announcement that your city is going to be destroyed. Them not saying a thing. And the third day, they march around the city and go, not saying a word. Day four, day five, day six, day seven, they're getting used to it a little bit. Oh, here they come again. But then they go around once, and then they go around another time, and another time, and another time. And they went around seven times. And then the people lined up. And they blew trumpets. And the people shouted. And all of a sudden these huge walls fell over. Exposing the entire city. And guess which part of the wall did not fall down. Rahab's house with the scarlet thread hanging out. God Delivered this city. This city was under destruction by God's order. And it was God that broke it, not the people. They were truly under the sentence of death. Now that the city is gone and the walls are, are down, the city is exposed. Joshua goes to the two men that spied out the country. Go into the harlot's house and bring out hence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear to her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had and they brought her out with all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. That's pretty amazing. Rahab wasn't saved alone. She was saved with some of her family members because they trusted in the same promise that she did. What a wonderful testimony. That they believed her and trusted in the promises. Verse 24. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron. They put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. Verse 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. And her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even unto this day. Because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out the land. She was now adopted into a new family and became a part of them. Notice verse 26. And Joshua adjured them at this time saying, uh, not, uh, 25 is where I was going for. But you know, she stayed in there that day because she fell in love with one of the Hebrew men. Who happened to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And you know what happened? God decided that he was going to put her inside of his lineage. Notice, if you don't mind, the witness of her faith. And we're going to make two stops. First of all, turn with me to the book of Matthew, the gospel record of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. It is my personal belief, I can't prove it, but my personal belief that one of those spies was by the name of Solomon. 
And it just so happens that Solomon was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That God had promised this lineage of Christ. And so Solomon had witnessed Rahab's faith. And said here is a lady. I know that she's not a Hebrew. I know that she had an awful past. She was a sinner of a past. But she trusted God in his promises. And God did something with her. And her faith makes her beautiful. Oh God has forgiven of her past. And I'm not worried about her past. I want her part of my family now. Notice with me in the gospel record of Matthew. We have the lineage of Christ. And notice with me in verse number 5. And Solomon beget Boaz. Notice this. Of Rahab. This is Rahab. Rahab made it inside of the lineage of Christ. Let me remind you. She is not a Hebrew. She was a Canaanite. Under the destruction of sin. Who was an awful sinful profession. And yet because of her faith. God has now placed her in the annals of scripture. As one of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Well the Bible goes on and explains some more. Turn with me to the book of James. The book of James in chapter number 2. Of course, she's also mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11 about the faith. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with him that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Hebrews puts an emphasis on her faith. But notice with me in the book of James chapter number 2. James chapter number 2, as we see the witness of her faith, notice with me in James chapter 2. Notice with me in verse number 23. James chapter 2 and verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And again, we spoke about uh, Abraham, but in the same breath, God also goes on speaking about Abraham and his faith. Notice in verse 24, ye see then how by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body Without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead. So here it goes back and shows. How do you know that Rahab believed God's promises? By her actions. Someone who says I believe in God. But doesn't believe. But doesn't act like a Christian. Doesn't match up with the Bible. Now I don't do works in order to be saved. Does that make sense? I don't serve God in order to get something from God. I serve God because of what he's already done for me. Because of her trusting in God, it moved her to action. This is the idea that faith without works is dead. That how did I how can we tell that Rahab trusted in God by her actions? And because of her actions, Evidence that she had true faith. God says I want to put her in my lineage. Jesus said I'm glad to have this woman. Other people said I don't want her to be in our church. I don't want her to be part of our family. I don't want her to be a part of our congregation. Jesus said I'm glad she is. Because of her faith. Because God did something in her life. God is able to change anyone by faith. If people look up to him and follow after him. 
So the question I want to ask you is not, do you believe? I'm assuming that if you show up on a Thursday night that you believe. What I'm asking is, the way do you live your life, does it back up that statement? Does it prove that you, be, that you believe by the way that you behave? By the way you treat others? By the way you respond? If you say that you're a Christian, do others people say, I know you are. Without you saying it, I knew you were a believer by how you act, by how you respond, by how you do things. There's an element of faith. There's something to the way that you walk. You understand that someone who says, sure, I believe in Jesus, but they don't read their Bible. That faith is dead. Someone who says, I believe in Jesus, but they never pray. Their faith is dead. Someone says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and they don't show up to church. That faith is dead. They may truly be saved, but there's no evidence of it. If you truly believe, it should be evidenced by the way you behave. Again, as a reminder, I don't serve God in order to get something from Him. I serve God because of what He's already done for us. And because of her faith that was evidenced in her actions, Jesus Christ honored her. God honored her and put her in the scripture. Joshua chapter 2, Joshua chapter 6, Matthew chapter 1, Hebrews chapter number 11, James chapter 2. She became one of the most honored women found in the scriptures because of her faith and the actions that came out of her faith. Is that the testimony that you have? Do you have the testimony of Rahab? That not only are you a believer. But your life. Evidences. Your statement of fact. Do you behave like a believer? Now if not. Let me tell you. You can develop the habit. We're glad to help you. We have discipleship. We have other things. But the first step is to make the decision. I need to live like a Christian. Not just say I'm a Christian. I need to live like I am. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.